the learning management system is absolutely garbage if that person goes through, clicks on all the trainings and doesn't learn anything and it's not applied because they're just checking off a box. Welcome to the Student Housing Insight Podcast, where we are putting you in touch with the people who bring student housing to life. I'm your host, Wesley Dees, and joining me today, once again, is our co-host, Adam Yarber. Hey, Wes, it's been a, it's been a while, man. Let's get to back on. <laughs> well, hey, it was good to have you on a couple of weeks ago, and uh, excited to have you here today. And yeah, you found a little bit more time on your hands here recently with the recent layoff. Uh, there's a lot of folks out there right now that are having to deal with layoffs. And uh, I've been in that situation. And what you're doing now is what I kind of escaped to, which is <laughs> just find something I can keep myself busy and keep myself, you know, as far as this industry, because I'm very committed to it, keep myself in there. Right. Yeah. And so I appreciate you doing that. Yeah. No, I mean, it's exciting. I, this world, this industry that we're in is a huge community. Um, you know, it's a small world, but it's, a, it's, there's so much community around it. And I, I will just say just some shout outs to the people that uh, I've made connections with over the many years in this industry, because a layoff is never fun. I mean, I know a lot of folks are going through that right now, but the support that I felt from folks, from industry partners, from folks at other management companies, from, you know, from you and the folks at student housing business, I mean, it really did soften the blow in a, in a yeah. lot of aspects. So I'm keeping in the game. Student housing like you is something that's somehow it's in my blood. We all fall into it, but we fall in love with it. And so yeah. I'm happy to be here with you and just excited to you know jump in. Well, yeah, I, I reached out earlier this week and just said, hey, let's record something this week. And you said, well, what about? I said, what do you want to do? <laughs> You came back with learning and development and, you know, that was something that in your previous position, a lot of that fell on your shoulders. So I want to talk about that. And you and I have had conversations in the past, and I think we had some conversations in Cincinnati a few years back when we were doing our regional summit. And I've always appreciated the angle and the perspective that you bring to it. I could tell that in and of itself is something that you're, you're passionate about as well. Yeah. Another thing that you're passionate about, because anytime we've had these Zoom calls or anything, you've always been in your office or the bedroom or something. And today I've got you in the Lego studio. Yep. <laughs> There's two things that people know about me. Well, maybe three. I'm passionate about student housing. I'm passionate about Disney and I'm a huge fan of Lego. So... I don't know if y'all are watching or seeing, but you can see some of my Lego and storage bins behind me. It's impressive, man. I mean, I, yeah, we were talking about this beforehand. Of course, I've got a seven-year-old son at home who loves his Legos, but I can't get him to be that organized with it. I mean, it's 2.30 <laughs> in the morning when I have to run to the bathroom or something. That's when my feet find his missing Legos. <laughs> well, they're on a mission. They're on a mission to, to, to get up under your feet and you step on them. Uh, yeah, I, I truly believe that. I truly believe that. But um, it's something you just you mentioned that I've never even thought about was when we're talking about learning and development and things that we can use and just talking about Legos. That's actually been something that that you've used. And yeah. I, think, I think that's fantastic if you want to share it with everybody. Yeah. So, I mean, for years, going back to when I was a 
uh, community assistant, actually building training plans for new community assistants coming on board or hiring or team building exercises. I've always used Lego. There's something that brings down folks guard when they're playing with Lego. Some people feel it might be childish, but it really does break down the barriers. It puts everyone kind of on the same field, no matter what kind of education or background or, or experience you have. Lego brings folks together. And that's that's in you know in life, in business, doesn't matter. There's a certification you can get, which I'm actually in progress. I'm almost finished with it. Just got to do my practical. But it's called the Lego Serious Play Method. And the idea there is that you're taking really abstract concepts, thoughts, maybe difficult decisions that the team has to make, and you're putting them into tangible things that people can see and touch and feel with their hands. And it's it's been fascinating for me to just kind of learn the methodology. I was like, you know, I've used Lego for years in my training. Why not get the certification so I, you yeah. know, I have the backing from it? So uh, I'm a huge fan of it. There's so many different ways you can use the bricks in in training, in team building. I've used it in hiring community assistants or folks because you get to see how folks interact and just how they can think on their feet. So it's a great tool. And I think that what that does is it it speaks to the different types of learning styles. Some folks can sit and listen to a podcast and gain a lot of insight. Some folks can read a book. Some folks need to be tactile with their learning and, and touching and, and manipulating the bricks can actually help them retain information so much better. So it's a great tool. Obviously, it's a, a big passion of mine. So it's really cool that I can integrate that in into the, the method. Well, I love that you, you were talking about, you know, basically given, I don't know if you said this or I just envisioned this, but basically kind of given a, a bag of Legos to a team or whatever and saying, okay, build an apartment community. Yeah. <laughs> That's so relevant and and thinking how I would even approach that. And depending on who else was at that table with me, mm-hmm. my reaction may be a little bit different. There's sometimes where I'm going to lead that. And there's sometimes when I'm going to step back and let somebody else lead it. That tells you so much. And I guess whoever is, maybe in a regional manager position or something like that, if they were to do that with their site teams, it probably give them a lot of insight into who can lead the group, who can play, you know, particular parts. So I think that's fantastic. There's so many different things that you can do even remotely with Lego. I've never done this personally, but I know other folks who have bought a small set and sent the parts to someone else and they kept the instructions and kind of, it's a communication exercise where we're going to get on the phone and I'm going to tell you how to build this thing without you being able to see it or even knowing what it is. Yeah. There's lots of really cool things there. There's so much insight you can gain from watching folks interact with one another. Like you said, you can see who's going to kind of be on the sidelines, who's going to step up and take charge. It really brings out the ability to see how folks can navigate challenges. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things I always do. Usually it's not just, you know, build an apartment complex, but it's like, you've got to have three amenities. You have to have a defined tour path. You have a time limit. And that's it. That's all the instructions you get. And then throughout the time, I'll issue certain challenges like you can only build with your left hand because I'm left handed and most people aren't. So it's really difficult. Or you you can't talk to anybody else. You have to be completely silent or maybe only certain members of the group. If you're wearing green, maybe only folks who are wearing green can build on the model. Mm-hmm. So it really gives you the ability to debrief how those challenges impact what you are doing. And then you can apply that to our jobs, our real life experiences. So, yeah, 
Yeah, well, that's fantastic. Well, so, uh, you know, let's talk a, a little bit about, you know, learning and development within organizations. I think, first of all, I'm kind of interested in your, you know, how you got involved with it. You know, was it something that you were just kind of passionate with to begin with, or was it something that was more of a, it got, I hate to say dumped on you, but <laughs> it was just something that, you know, that was just, kind of part of a job description and you really ended up liking it. As far back as I can remember, I've really enjoyed teaching folks. Mm-hmm. Just enjoyed teaching. I, you know, in college I was did every opportunity I could to be a TA. I ran classes on certain things to help folks excel in certain knowledge areas. And when I became a community assistant, there was an opportunity for a senior community assistant position and I got that job. And one of the main functions of that job was training new community assistants who came on board. Yeah. Now, this was years ago before that, I, I think before learning and development as a concept was mainstream. I'm sure it existed, but it wasn't something we were talking about. It was just training. Um, yeah, it was just training. It's just training, which is it. It's a part of it, but it's there's so much more to it. We, we can yeah. talk about that later. But yeah, so I was just making training plans and I really enjoyed that's when I started first using Lego in, in the training and then it just, it was a part of every role that I had going forward from there. When I was in Lubbock for a while, I think there were six sister properties in my market from the same company. And so I got the opportunity to do group hiring processes and training of community assistance on certain, you know, leasing and marketing and customer service and things like yeah. that as a group. And then at my previous role, I was onboarded maybe two weeks before I got on the plane and flew to my first training. So it it was something that's always been a part of that. And then when the idea of learning development kind of started becoming mainstream in in this world, that was the division I was in. So it was just kind of natural that I was kind of helping form that. We had a VP of training development and a VP of learning development, but we worked so closely together on learning the things, you know, learning about what is this and figuring it out and how do we do this uh, and how do we do it well, learning management systems, course creation, learner models, like all those things. There's a lot of technicalities or technical things to it that go beyond just creating a good PowerPoint presentation. It continued to be a passion of mine. Uh, You know, I I like reading books. I like distilling that knowledge and giving it to someone else. It just gives me thrills to see someone excel in their job because I've helped them learn something new and then helping yeah. them develop into a, a great employee. So I was reflecting the other day, I was driving to Dallas and I was just reflecting about my career and just kind of where I've come from and just the growth that you see as an individual. Yeah. Right. You're just kind of that, I guess I would call it the self-actualization uh, part of Maslow's hierarchy of like getting to that point of like, realizing like, oh, I'm actually pretty good at this. And I actually have learned a lot about this and I can help people with it. So it's been a really cool, that sounds like a humble brag, but. (laughs) Well, no, yeah. And I I completely get it from the standpoint of kind of taking pride in helping someone achieve something that, you know, maybe they didn't even really set out to achieve, but it was part of the job description or whatever. And, you know, they ended up really enjoying the process and taking pride in the success that they had. And I'm not exactly sure why I went to college other than that's just what my parents told me I had to do. Um, And I'm not that way with my kids. I'm just kind of like, look, it's a lot of money. If you guys don't know what you want to do, let's don't 
spend the money on it. You can <laughs> figure it out along the way. But as I started going through it, I thought, man, you know, I'd really like to teach. And um, I was going to be a high school history teacher. And <laughs> I got into some of my clinicals and stuff and was just like, no, this is not where I need to be. Not so much st- from the standpoint of I, I enjoyed teaching. It was just the public school setting and, and everything else. And I'm just like, I, you spend more time documenting when a kid blows his nose than you do, you know, actually teaching and instructing. And so anyway, so yeah, then I chose property management. <laughs> I too did. I did music education and one of my first like technical education classes, I was just like, ah, learning about, I forgot what they're called, but like these performance plans and like every child, that was when No Child Left Behind was a thing. I don't know if anybody remembers that, yeah. but like it was, the education system is garbage, but we'll <laughs> digress, but yeah. And, and so I do still use a lot of those things that I learned in those classes, the theories of learning, yeah. group dynamics, like all those great things just for student housing and leadership that, I mean, th- those things are synonymous. So, yeah, same here. I mean, that's, yeah, it, it translated very well over into the corporate side of things. Cause one, you've got learners at least pretend to care pretty well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's, it's associated with their job and that's kind of been rewarding. And, and honestly, I think it's one of the reasons, and again, humble brag, I think student housing insights been able to evolve the way that it has because, it's something that when I, you know, either someone says, hey, thanks for covering that that topic. I had no idea. You know, I've been in this industry forever and no one's explained that to me. Yeah, that's kind of what keeps me going with all of this. And so I think that plays a large part into it. And I want to talk a little bit about maybe how that can, maybe how we can move that ball forward a little bit more and get some feedback from the audiences listening if they've got thoughts on it. But yeah, one thing that... The last company, operating company I was with, we were under 20,000 beds. And there's a lot of, you know, right now to be in the top 25 within the country, as far as management companies, you got to have 10,000 beds minimum. And, you know, between, I would say 10,000 beds up to probably close to 40, maybe 50,000 beds. It's really hard to put in the additional support systems and, and personnel when it comes to training. And so the regional managers are having to pick up the ball and, you know, C-suite and everybody else is having to kind of focus on that. And, you know, I feel like that's where I wanted to kind of pick your brain and just say, what can those companies do? What are some good resources? You know, I'd like for SHI to become one of the resources for those companies, but yeah, just kind of want to pick your brain and, yeah. I want to talk specifically about the limited resources because I think that's something that we can all identify with, whether it's in learning development, in human resources, in leasing, in operations, with our budget. This industry works on really small margins. And for the most part, there's not a lot of bloatedness at the support level, right? I remember being on site like, oh, I just want to go to corporate so bad. And I'm like, now that I'm being on the corporate side, I'm like, (laughs) Well, it's not as all cracked up as it is. There's, there's yeah. a lot. It's a lot of hard work because there's not five of me. There's one of me, and yeah. there's seventy of you that I'm trying to serve. So, I think in terms of some tangible things that that folks can do to really lean into learning development is 
find those people who are passionate about training and about developing other people and pick their brains. I guarantee you, if you've got general managers, if you've got regional managers who are passionate about that, they are going to be a huge ally and they would really, really appreciate the acknowledgement that, that that's, that's a good point. You know, because that was me. My my regional saw that I was passionate about it. They, he said, hey, why don't you do this for our market? And it became something that really helped propel me in my career just because he identified it. And, you know, that's a part of the development part of learning development is like you're helping people use what they know to move forward and to become better. As we were talking about setting this up, you know, the difference between learning and development, right? Because a lot of people just, it's oh, it's L&D. It's the same thing. It's all about training. Yeah. Well, the learning aspect is me showing you, teaching you, training you on how to do a function, right? Whether it's how to manage a team, how to submit your leasing reports, how to turn in your financials, you're learning how to do a task, a function. The development part is that is me helping you take that knowledge and use it towards something besides that task. Yeah. It's not just one thing to learn how to do, you know, to write a performance improvement plan. How do you help that person develop into that? And how do you hold them accountable? And how do you move forward that? Because then you become developed as a manager and it really sets you up for your career in the future. Yeah. You know, that's something to think about is how, how do we approach those folks who are really passionate about learning development, about training other folks, about pouring into other employees and harness that energy, especially when you don't have a department that's able to do that for you. Another thing I would say is not every VP, GM, regional manager are gifted trainers and are able to communicate the message well. Yeah. I had a CEO tell me one time, we don't need any training department. We don't need any training folks because our general managers can handle that. Yeah. And I was blown away by that because you can be a great general manager, but completely incapable of training someone else how to do that and to yeah. replicate it. And then that same GM is the one that's, they're doing everything. Yeah. And that's the thing that general managers, you generally manage a property. And, and they'll uh, never, it, it, and look, I understand it. And if you're that GM out there listening to this and, and you're like, oh my God, that's me. Do understand it will handicap you when you do move into a regional position because at that point, it's not about what you can do. It's about what you could train other people to do, what you can inspire other people to do. So yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's a great point. Yeah. Well, and I think too, a lot of times we look at learning development and we say, it's just the skills that you need to do to do your job. Right. It's just the things we're checking off the box. Right. Yeah. Did I turn in my intron reports? Do I know how to sign countersign a lease? Do I know how to update the, the rates on the website? Do I know how to do X, Y, and Z? But there's so much more to that. And I think for years and years and years, I mean, I think people know me for the most part as the experience guy. Like it's all about the experience, right? Yeah. And I really focus in on the resident experience. And that was a lot of my background. And while I'm not deviating from the, the message, I am changing the message up a little bit from that and putting the emphasis on the employee experience because I personally believe if you get the employee experience right, if you get the right people on the team, if you give them the resources, the tools, the ability to do their job well, you hold them accountable and then let them show you what they're capable of. It's going to filter. Everything else is going to filter out. There's a local juice company here in Austin. I was talking to the president of it recently, 
And we were talking about the customer experience. And he said, how are you going to give a great customer experience if your employee experience is crappy? Yeah. Right. If you're not having a great time, if you're not happy to be uh, at your job, then how are you going to make someone's someone's day? Right. How are you going to go above and beyond for them? So the learning development aspect of the employee experience is what I would call critical. I am lumping in the onboarding process in learning development. And I, I know usually that's kind of a subset of human resources, but I really believe that that falls under the learning development aspect because from day one, you've got to start assimilating this employee to your culture, to your way of doing things. I was talking to a, a leasing director recently and we were just talking about like, for example, your leasing agents, right? I mean, in this industry, we acquire properties, we sell properties, we take over new management contracts. You're always getting some kind of new employee. And odds are that employee has worked at two, three, maybe four other management companies. Mm-hmm. In theory, that person knows how to sign a lease, right? They know how to give a tour of their property. They know how to put in a work order in the system or, or yeah. whatever. There are certain functions in their job that they that is just standard across the board. But what they don't have when they become a, a new employee of your company is your company's expectations oh, and, and what you expect them to do or how you expect them to do it. Because we all know this, not every management system is the same. It's set up the same. You have the same settings. You have the same function. Every database is going to be different. Every expectation of ownership groups or, you know, senior management is going to be different. Yeah. So from day one, it is the company's responsibility to, in some ways, help that person unlearn those old habits and restructure those specific tasks around how they do things at that company. And I think part of that, too, is really getting into the heart of the company, the culture company. What is the purpose and, and the values of that company? That was one thing that I was really big on at my previous management company was what do we believe in? What are we trying to do at the end of the day? And I believed every single person who worked for us, no matter their role, whether they're a community assistant, a marketing assistant, the CEO, the maintenance supervisor, everyone needed to understand what our mission, vision, and purpose were. Mm -hmm. And I do think it's important to have those memorized and to know them because that's a touchstone for that employee to realize like, I am with this company now. I'm a part of this. I'm part of something bigger. Yeah. And so that helps you strip away the old things. I think there's none of us who've ever transitioned the property and then come back six, 10, 12 months later and been surprised that that, that, <laughs> that, that employee is still doing things the way they used to do. We get frustrated by it, we get surprised, but that's a failure on our part to get them assimilated to our culture, to yeah. our expectations, and then hold them accountable to it. Let me pick your brain a little bit on learning management systems, because like, there's a lot of discussion around that. You know, there's there's some great companies that are doing it in this space, and some companies are doing really good jobs at it, or really a really good job at it. But I think I think the work that they are actually putting into it is completely underutilized. Uh, the companies that are actually paying for their services. Sure. If, yeah, I'm a manager of an 8,000 or an owner of a management company with 8,000 beds today. And the only training that happens is maybe during the onboarding process and otherwise call your regional and, you know, they'll help you out. From a learning management standpoint, I guess one with those systems, is there real value in it? 
because obviously there's a lot of things that we have to teach on, right? The fair housing laws and all those kind of things that we want to make sure that we're able to prove to our insurance companies, (laughs) everybody else, hey, we do training on this. What's your overall feeling with it? And how's the best way to assess, you know, what type of system is best for their company? Well, I think you've got to ask yourself the question, what are we going to use this learning management system for LMS for short. The needs of your company may be different. There are certain things like you mentioned that are that are certain requirements for compliance that HR is going to say, no, we need to have a record of when this person was trained, what time they signed off on it, what records they have. Yeah. And then you've got everything else, which I would call the fluff, right? It's the extra stuff. And if you're not careful, a lot of times LMSs can just become robust storage systems. Yep. They just store tons and tons and tons of information, but they're not accessible. And so one of the things I would highly recommend, whether it's your current learning management system, whether you don't have one and you're implementing it or you're looking at changing it, is you need to have somebody who is absolutely skilled and knowledgeable on the ins and outs of that system to be able to use it effectively. Because like you said, a lot of these systems have a lot of things that are that are built into them that are not utilized. I know some of the companies I've worked for, they just use them to put up the, the training and they were they were a, a searchable database, basically. So if I wanted to learn how to do a facilities report, I just type in a facilities report and there, there's a training. But there's some of them that offer the ability to schedule trainings in advance. Folks can sign up for them. You can host webinars on them. There's like course curriculum that you build into it that's based on a position or that's based on a certain kind of topic and you can learn all those things in that. The thing about it is, is you can really utilize them with, and it doesn't take a whole lot of effort in terms of showing folks what is available to them, yeah. right? You, you need to show it to them and give it to them and then let them explore it a little bit, but have certain expectations, I believe. So one of the things I find very helpful is a curriculum for a position that has the, the non-negotiables. You've got, you know, everyone has to take fair housing. Right. Everyone has to take sexual harassment training. Everyone has to take workplace safety, uh, you know, OSHA, things like that. Yeah. But then there's certain, other certain things that you create these courses for, these outlines or what have you, that's for that position to help them excel in that. That's a good way of doing it because just having something that's just there, like, oh, go search it. Oh, it, it's on the learning management system. I, I heard that a lot. Like, oh, how do I do this? Oh, it's on there. Yeah. The learning management system is a tool, but it's not the only tool. And I think that that's important to keep in mind, too, is that you can't just use it as a crutch for someone. It's there for because, again, I'll back up a little bit. I think it's important to remember that there are different types of learning styles. And so like just saying, hey, that's on our learning management system and expecting someone to just go read a document or watch situation training. It's doing a disservice to that person. Because you're just expecting them to go, you know, to do that. And I think that's part of the role as managers, whether it's general manager, lease manager, regional manager, vice president of operations, what have you, is to kind of walk that person through that and make sure that it's understood. Because here's the thing, and I get really passionate about this. The learning management system is absolutely garbage, if that person goes through clicks on all the trainings and doesn't learn anything and it's not applied because they're just checking off a box. And I think that has a lot to do with just from an industry, our view and approach to training 
there's not the emphasis that's placed on in like training is a part of your job. Yeah. Look, continual learning, continual development is a major part of your job. It's not extra. It's not outside of leasing and marketing. It's not outside of running a property for students. It is a major part of your job function is to learn and develop and grow. Yeah. And so I think a lot of times we use those LMSs as gotcha. It says you did it, but you're, you're not doing it right. Yeah. Or it's just a repository. And yeah. so I think... One of the things I think that you and I talked about earlier uh, in terms of like the student housing insight as offering training and systems like that is learning within the context of community. Yeah. And a lot of LMSs have this built in too, but like sharing what you're learning. And, you know, you see it on LinkedIn all the time, like, oh, I just got a certification in this or I just took a class in this. Yeah. And a lot of folks love to celebrate that because then they're able to share with their peers, their coworkers, what they're learning. And that reinforces it. It gives motivation behind it. It, it, I think it just adds just a depth to the learning development aspect that is so much more than just, oh, I took the training on the learning management system and got the credit for it. Yeah, no, I, th- I, I agree with you on all those points. I think, um, I mean, what, what's your opinion? What what makes an LMS more engaging? Is it making sure that there's some type of video element? Is it? And I'm talking about just specifically the system itself, not none of the content that's in it. Is there something there that current companies are doing that that needs to be done? I think it's a variety of things. Uh, in all honesty. And I think that video is is very important with us serving for the most part in our world, millennials, Gen Z and Gen Alpha is coming right behind them. They, they're not that far behind. Mm-hmm. It's a very visual, a visual learner. And so YouTube ever since I came out of the womb. Absolutely. You know, most, most Gen Z persons finds out about a company that they want to work for through their YouTube page. That is one of their biggest used social media platforms. So the video is, is so important, but gone are the days of setting up a camera in the back of the room, doing a training in person and recording that and just slapping it on your LMS because they're not going to sit through an hour and a half training on accounting procedures things need to be broken down into bite-sized pieces, but there also needs to be a specific standard of how those things are done. That's I I would recommend in a written format, you know, my previous, you know, management company, we call those policies. We had a policy for how to, you know, for how things are expected to be done. And there was a procedure that went with it that was showed how to do it, whether it's a, you know, it's a document with screenshots, whether it's a video, whether it's a, a course that we put together. But I think the most effective tool is a diverse tool in that you're not just putting video up. You're not just putting written content up. You're not just putting audio files up. You're doing a lot of those different things for each thing you want to do and think outside the box too. TikTok trainings are becoming a thing, right? Where there's, you know, there are 30 seconds or something like that. You know, we're seeing a, a lot of success in that webinars like lunch and learns are a great opportunity as well for those things that that are important but you know you want to have people to join them but you know maybe you don't want them to have to put an hour on their calendar for a training but maybe they do have that time during lunch where they can eat and engage as well so creativity is the key two things you just said there that i kind of want to pick your brain a little bit on one how important is it for that lms to actually have like an app version so someone can like you said, with you know, from a TikTok standpoint, 
you know, this isn't the easiest thing to do in TikTok, but you could certainly do it on a YouTube yeah. channel where you've got a library there that somebody could search, right? Yeah. Should that be what a company does or, you know, should it be involved with the LMS that we got to make sure that they've got a, an app version of, of their platform? So <laughs> the likelihood of your general manager sitting in their office and be like, oh, I need to refresh myself on X, Y, Z procedure mm-hmm. and going to their phone and searching it there. I think it's pretty low. That's a personal opinion of mine. However, when you look at the the mobility of our jobs, a lot of times it's not just sitting in an office, right? We're walking the property. We're you know going to the leasing manager's office. We're talking to the bookkeeper. We're talking to the maintenance supervisor. And I think the ability to pull up things like a policy procedure on your phone really quickly and show that to them or, or like, Hey, I'm going to send this to you, I think is, is really cool. And it's, it's a great feature. I would say, I, I don't think it's personally necessary to have right now. Part of the reason I say that is because it gets a little hairy when we require our people to download things or to use their personal devices and asking them to do that is a little bit off the board. I, I know, for example, we use the happy inspector app. And there were certain members of our team who were like, I don't want to download it on my phone. And so it's like, we're not paying for that phone. And so we can't tell them what they need to do with it. Sure. Now, there is a kind of a hybrid that I I would, I, I don't want to speak on a specific learning management system. I'm not an expert on all the ones out there. I've used quite a few of them, but there's one that I think kind of creates that feature without having a mobile app. And that's, LMS 365 because it's integrated into your Office 365 system. And I think a lot of our management companies use that. And Office 365 is pretty affordable no matter what size you are. It's usually on a per user basis or you can get large accounts. I'm not going to turn this into a sales pitch for Office 365, but if you don't have it, you should. But it's built into that. So when your folks are using Teams or they're in Word or, you know, doing something in Outlook, LMS 365 sits on top of that. So it creates the learning environment where they currently are, which I think is absolutely critical. So if you're in Teams and you're like, I can't remember this, you know, your supervisor can say, hey, let me send you a link on Teams to this training. And it's built in there. And you don't have to leave Teams. Yeah. There's not another login. So I think just to answer that question, should we have an app? I think an app is great. I think if you have the expectations and you show people the great things you can do using the app and it becomes a part of the development process for your team members. And if a regional manager pulls their app out when they're doing a site visit and let me walk you through this right here, I think it becomes more effective, but in general, I don't think that we still have a lot of managers who are older who don't, you like main supervisors usually are not as tech savvy, you know? So having an app, asking them to log into their email is already like pulling teeth. So imagine asking them to download an app on their flip phone. (laughs) It's it's getting better. It is getting better. Uh, I would say that. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I would say in the next five years, I think a lot of things, more things will be mobile. The workforce I think is becoming younger for sure. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's going to happen. Yeah. I could go down a bunny trail with, with all of that, but, try to stay a little bit on track here. What I wanted to ask you, and I'm kind of opening the audience up to this question and student housing insights. It's pretty much been a part-time job for me, right? It's because consulting is the main thing. That's what puts food on the table. SHI just really kind of started out as a you know way for me to market myself. Uh, so yeah, if you're listening to this and you need a consultant, 
Wes at ProvidentialStudentHousing.com. <laughs> or look me up on LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, to LinkedIn. But yeah, I mean, it was a way to, to market myself, but the feedback I started getting from managers and from regional managers about things that we were covering as topics, you know, what makes up a student housing deal and what's the difference between mesh Wi-Fi and, you know, regular Wi-Fi or whatever. Um, that was obviously, that was about six years ago when we did that. <laughs> Everybody knows what mesh Wi-Fi is now. But the feedback we started getting, especially after like those first five or so episodes was, Wes, thanks so much for covering this because I've been in student housing for five years, eight years, whatever, and no one's ever explained to me what a cap rate is. Or you know, and and so from that standpoint, we kind of looked at it and was like, okay, maybe this just isn't a marketing thing. This is something where we could really bring some value to certainly to to the employees of the industry potentially to some of those companies as well. And so, you know, and the, and the companies within the industry have been very welcoming to everything that, you know, that I've tried doing with with SHI. But I'm kind of wondering, is there an opportunity to expand it? You know, we're doing shop talk, you know, which technically isn't, I mean, SHI produces it. It's not anything I monetize or anything like that because it's, it's the industries and it's led by a leadership team. And quite honestly, if they yanked it from me tomorrow and said, hey, we want Adam doing this from now on, that's, you know, that's what what happened. And so, you know, I'm kind of, but we've got some other webinars that we've been doing. We've got some that we're planning for this year. There seems to be some things from from the podcast that people are really kind of, I've heard of stories of folks kind of passing it around their, their team, particular episode or whatever, to kind of get them caught up on either something that was happening in the industry or, you know, just something that they needed to be aware of. And, and that was especially true during COVID, especially at the onset of COVID. So, yeah, I mean, what's your thoughts? I mean, is there a place out there for student housing insight to fill a gap from a learning development standpoint? I mean, I absolutely think there, I mean, I honestly already think that that's happening (laughs) kind of organically yeah, that's something that you and I, I want to be more intentional about it. I really do. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I think that, I mean, gosh, there's so many, so many things and so many resources that come from Student Housing Insight. You've got, you know, the aspect of having so many different voices and so much knowledge Yeah, that putting together training materials, I think is great because let's be clear. Not every company has the budget to have a learning development department or division that even one person is focused on that aspect. Yeah. Grace Hill and some of the, the kind of out in the, in the box or in the can type solutions, they're really expensive. They're very expensive when it comes down to it. And so I think that on a lot of situations that those managers that don't have access to that, they find things where they can. I know that the, the Facebook group, the student housing Facebook group is really active with folks just asking questions. And I think it goes back to what I said earlier about the learning in the context of a community. And I think that there's so much value in getting, you know, having a, a common thing that we're all learning and then talking about it and how do we apply yeah. it. And because it's, it, it may be different everywhere, but I think there's something we can all learn from that. Yeah. And so I would really hope that 
folks would find that valuable. I think they would. That's one of the things, you know, for the conference and stuff like that, they're not always accessible to folks. Yeah. We get to go to those conferences and we have some great content or uh, someone who's presenting on something. And I'm like, man, I wish we, we, everyone needs to know this. Yeah. Putting it out there and making it accessible to the masses, I think is, I think it's a, a great idea and a call to action, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, if you're listening to this and you've got some thoughts on it of, you know, where uh, student housing insight can, can kind of fill the, the gap with any, you know, learning development for your company or for companies your size or, uh, you know, please, please send me, send me an email, find me on LinkedIn. Because uh, that, that is something that I want to, like I said, I want to be a little bit more intentional about it moving forward and see if there's something there that we can, we can fit for the industry. And um, yeah, I appreciate your time today, man. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate it. It's, I think that there's an old saying, uh, a kind of an adage that, you know, a CFO and a COO were talking to one another and the CFO says, what if we spend all this money training folks and they leave? And the COO said, well, what if we don't and they stay? Yeah. And I, I mean, I think that as it relates to cost and tying it to the bottom line, pouring into your people, developing your people, training your people is one of those things that has a small price tag that can reap major dividends. It impacts every aspect of the business, right? Not just the customer experience, which I think is critical, but it, you know, you are able to retain your employees longer and they're going to tell their friends about this company and that you should work for this company and they're going to create a network there and they're going to want to do better at their jobs and they're going to want to reduce their spending or they want to increase their profits or, you know, so it's one of those things that it's mandatory. It could be done really, really well, or it could be done really, really poorly. Yeah. And it, it's, I'll leave it at this kind of like DEI. Sometimes we can just say we're focused on learning development and not do it. The same thing we've said, we're focused on DEI and really not have anything back there. I don't want to open up a can there, but I know you and I were talking. Uh, about it's, it. it's, it's, it's very similar. Yeah. It's checking the boxes and yeah. And yeah, I'll, I'll step on some toes with that because in the most recent shop talk, we were covering DEI, and which I think is a very important topic for any industry. And it's something that I felt like the student housing industry took a by force or whatever you want to call it. You know, back in 2020, everybody started putting these focus groups and task force and committees together. And and I've seen some really great movement and improvement in, you know, what what they've done. And I, you know, I don't want to push a industry to be passionate about something. I mean, you know, that should just happen. Right. But every month shop talk has gotten larger and larger. And, but what I'm noticing is when we, when we talk about leasing and marketing, you know, the business side of things, uh, they, people tune in. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that is just, you know, because they're wanting to learn those things. When we start talking about kind of the HR elements, to what we do and some of the soft stuff that we do, those numbers go down. I mean, you could tell it on, you know, there was, I don't know, 82, 84 people signed in live. And as soon as we started going to the, to the DEI topic, it just started going down really quick. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe they're getting so much of that all the time that they didn't really want to tune into it. Maybe, you know, they had other stuff they need to get on to do completely understand that. But same thing with with learning development. I think a lot of folks see it as checking a box 
And, uh, you know, let's, let's get back to, you know, getting more management agreements, which. Well, <laughs> the learning development impacts that too. Exactly. Uh, I, you know, I think that, you know, I hate using the word corporate, but from, for the function of it, from the corporate perspective, when we just check the box for learning development, that sends a signal to our team members to also just check the box. Yeah, hundred percent. Right? And, and it, it, it communicates to them that this is not important. It's just something else we have to do. And I've I'm, I've actually heard regional managers and management teams say like, "Oh, corporate just wants us to get that done." Yeah, and, and they forget you're a part of corporate. Like you're a part of that. Like it's not. This is not something that some overlord has said. This is a good thing. This is for your benefit. This is for the company's benefit. This helps us. It keeps us safe. It gives you better knowledge. Helps you do your job better. You can make more money, right? Let's just call it what it is. So you can't get mad at employees when they're checking the box if that's all you're doing. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I think uh, I think this has been good, man. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Really unscripted. I wonder. I wonder if the audience realized that. Well, hey, if you are at a management company and you need some help with learning development, reach out to me or Wes. We're happy to to give you some advice and thoughts. But, you know, for those who are listening who are on site and maybe feeling struggling, I think utilizing those resources that you do have available, like Student Housing Insight, like the Student Housing Facebook group, those are great resources. LinkedIn has a great student housing group as well. So, you know, if your company's not providing it, there's something out there that can help you on that path. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna extend this podcast a little bit longer. I want to I want to talk to that really quick because <laughs> okay. um, for those that don't know, I, well, I guess about a, a year or so after we launched Student Housing Insight as a formal you know LLC, and we were doing some live events and everything. Going back to what you said earlier, there was you know this community that was being built. But the thing is, is like I knew who those people were, but they didn't really necessarily know each other. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it was something where we're like, okay, we need to build out a community electronic platform where this community can come together. So we did that on the website. It was okay. Uh, There's a lot of people that joined a lot of people that got involved. And after they check in two or three times, you know, it, they just forgot about it, whatever. Like I said, this has been a part-time job for me for the most part. And so I'm not going to be the one that's going to be out there constantly sending out email blasts of, hey, join the SHI community. And so that kind of dwindled off. And then when COVID came, things like, uh, you know, the Facebook group that you mentioned, which is one of our ambassadors, Marcel Thomas is actually the administrator for that. And there was a lot of folks that were, getting on that and, and say, Hey, how do we, how do we approach this with our students? And, and it was good. I was like, wow, this is, this is fantastic. You know, maybe we should just done a, a Facebook group. And then I saw some questions and, and some remarks that were being made. And even though it's a private group, it's like, you don't want other, I mean, it's it, your question or your comment came from a very good place, but that could also get your company into a lot of trouble. But what I realized was most of that was happening on their device, right? Their, their iPhone, whatever. And so my mind went to, okay, this is great, but we need to come together and, and actually let's create an app. And so we did that. We did that last year. Called it SHI Connect. And spent a lot of money on it <laughs> and launched it. Got a lot of people on board with it. 
and then no one continued to check in. And, you know, I put together some, some groups to contribute and that was very hard to do. You know, it was like pulling teeth to, to get that to happen. No offense to those that, that did can contribute, but, and so, you know, Greta and I started talking back over the fall, like, should we continue doing this? Because it's costing us money. And if there's a way for me to monetize something, great, but eyes have got to be on something for me to monetize it and no one's going to it. And so we, we asked that last month and, you know, I'm looking at a couple of other alternatives, but the, you know, the one thing I would say, especially if you're an executive, if you're, you know, a big influencer in your company, if you like those kind of things that we're doing, please, please, please get it out to the, the folks that you're working with. If you like shop talk, make sure you're telling folks about it, you know, within your industry, you know, within your market, it's a big help to us. I know people want to see SHI, you know, succeed, but it, it really can't without the folks that are, that are getting value out of it. I'm not asking for $10 a month. I'm not, <laughs> none of those things. And, and so just, you know, please repay the folks that are behind SHI by telling somebody else. And um, I think that's really more of a way of paying it forward to other people versus, you know, repaying me for any value I may have brought to you. Yeah. But, yeah. I know that you and I had talked about SHI Connect before and then you were on the fence. So I, I That's why I didn't specifically bring it up. But I, I think it's a great tool. And, you know, I would echo the sentiment of, for those of you who are in management companies and a place of leadership, is getting the word out there because the more educated your team are, the better they're going to perform, right? The more connect, you know, this industry is so small as it is. And I'm still amazed at, you know, like, oh, you don't know so-and-so or you don't know that, you know, that was, we talked about that on Shop Talk. Well, let's Shop Talk, you know, or, you know, things yeah. like that. And and I guess take full use of the things that have there because they're not guaranteed to be there forever, <laughs> yeah. I guess is, is that thing. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's there and it's free right now, but that doesn't mean it's going to continue forever and unless there is involvement and engagement in it. And so, yeah. Well, I see the dog now wants your, your attention. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's up here. She wants to be on the podcast. <laughs> What's her name? Her name's Memphis. Uh, there you go. That's right. You've got, a, you've got the Tennessee roots. Oh, well, thanks for having me, man. It was good to chat. Good chatting. Thanks again. And yeah, if, uh, hey, Adam hasn't been picked up by anybody yet. So um, I, w- I will say, I think those days are, are kind of coming to an end here pretty quick. But yeah, thanks for the, not the, just the time for this, but um, being involved this, you know, you were heavily involved with with LeaseCon and, um, uh, you yeah, know, making that a, a success as well. And so I appreciate that. And we'll chat with you soon. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. All right, man. Take care.